Let's get into today's word. Happy Mother's Day. And listen, one of my friends, I text Happy Mother's Day. I was just telling Wendy, one of our lady friends, that's Wendy's friend, our friend, I'm friends with her husband and the family. I said, Happy Mother's Day. She said, Thank you. Want well, to know what I was preaching on today? I said, I'm preaching on the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And she said, Of course you would on Mother's Day. Only you would preach on that. So, mothers, listen. Today's sermon title is this. I want you to look up carefully on your bullets and look at the screen. Jesus is greater. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about Jesus is greater than mothers, even though, guess what? Jesus is greater than mothers, okay? But today is Jesus is greater because we're in that series of revelation, and we didn't want to stop, obviously, because this is the Lord's day, and we came here to worship Him. But we also come to celebrate mothers today and say, we do love you and thank you, and as all the men have said and everyone said so far, without you, where would we be? Not here, that's for sure. So we are thankful, and we praise God or mothers. Now, let me encourage you to do this today. This is so important. Mike read a passage of Scripture. You go, why did he read that last day's Scripture? Because we're in Revelation, and we're trying to find out what's going to happen. And you need to know, so look down your pew, look down your row, and if somebody's on their phone playing video games, go ahead and just give them a quick pop in the back of the head, like a mother would, and say, stop it. All right? Just say, stop it. Pay attention. This is part of your life. You might hear something today, not from me, but from the Word of God, that might change your life. So if you see someone playing video games, obviously give them, I've seen uh, two already this morning as I pass by, so can you not at least give God just a few minutes of your life to hear what he has to say to you today? Let's look at the Word of God today. Revelation, we're going to pick up, and we're going to cover a lot of ground, okay? Revelation, we're going to go back to chapter 5. If you were here last week, you obviously... Um, you heard this scroll, this powerful scroll come up, and no one in heaven is going, who is worthy to open the scroll? And, and of course, there's an announcement in chapter 5. I'll read just a portion of it, but we're going to read then jump into chapter 6, chapter 7, and just right the first part of chapter 8. You say, well, that's a lot of scripture to cover, and it is. And I do understand we're skipping rocks. And if you're guests with us today or you haven't been with us yet, we're going to have a study in the fall where we can dive into deeper details in the book of Revelation. It's important to know, but it's also important to know if you're a Christian, after this time period today, you won't be here on the planet having to go through the wrath of God. And people are going to argue over, like, who's here, who's not here. Everybody's scared of the book of Revelation. As we talked about in chapter 1 when we started, what is the book of Revelation? The, the root word of Revelation is what? Reveal. It's God revealing himself and obviously revealing his plan for the future. So it's God revealing. He didn't want to hide it from you. He wants to show you what's going to happen in the future. Now, some preachers and some speakers can make this thing so exciting that you get into it and you go, I'm scared to death when I leave the church. Make sure I'm right with Jesus because I don't want to go through the revelation. I don't want to go through all those bowls and I don't want to go through all those trumpet plagues. I don't want to go through any of that stuff. Well, let me ask you today as a church, and, and you, you could be, it's, if you were here last week, we talked about pre-tribulation, meaning we believe the, the church is going to be taken. Those people that are pre-tribulationist, all that means pre means what? Before the tribulation. So if you believe that the church is going to be taken up before the tribulation, you're called a pre-tribulationist. Well, that's the title they give you. I just believe I'm a biblicist sometimes when you look at the Word of God. Now, if you're a mid-tribulationist, that means seven years have started. You believe the tribulation has started, but you're going to be taken up right at the 3.5 years of the tribulation. That's a mid-tribulationist. Can pre-tribulationists and mid-tribulationists get along? Yes. It's only three and a half years difference, right? It's, it, it's a college degree between the time of the, uh, the start and, and the middle. And you will see something. Is it judgment the same as wrath? 
And it's, I don't believe it is. And so I'm good with my friends that are pre-tribulationists, and I'm good with my friends that are mid-tribulationists. I could probably argue a point for both. The thing is, no one knows for sure. So when you get the experts who tell you exactly what's going to happen, walk away. It's because they'll divide a church in a minute. They'll argue over their point that they're exactly right. They know everything in the word verbatim. They're not God, and they don't know all things. There are some things we don't know, or we can't say, well, this scripture doesn't line up with that view. And then, of course, there's people that are what's called post-tribulationists. They believe they're just, they're just wrong. They, they just believe everything happens, the church is taken up after the wrath of God. There's no way God's people are going to see wrath. You'll see that. So if you're post-tribulationist, you need to study the word a little bit stronger. Uh, but pre-tribulation, I can live with and 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 have dinner with, and mid-tribulations I can live with, have dinner with. I can even live with the post-tribulations, but we just won't talk during dinner, all right? So just, just so you know where we stand, before, I'm good with. Halfway through, I'm good with. After, I'm not good with. And based on what I understand from the whole counsel of God. And people today, listen, Paul warned it and Jesus warned in the last days, and Mike just read it, perilous times are coming. Paul even wrote to the church, said, listen, there's going to be false prophets among you, not outside. We know the outside. The world hates us. The Bible's clear. They hated Jesus. They, they'll hate us. But Paul warned and Jesus warned that they're going to come amongst us. And if you look amongst us, you say, wait a minute, in our church, one of y'all could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And you sound like a sheep. You sing like a sheep. You pray like a sheep. But you have nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Secretly, you're looking to destroy the church from within. You want to have your doctrine and your tradition, just like the Judaizers we've been reading about in the book of Acts and we read about in the book of John. Those men who were very religious, they looked really sharp on the outside. They had the nice robes. They had the nice turbans. They had all the jewelry. They had everything that actually says, that's a man of God. And they were far from. Jesus called them sons of Satan. He called them, you are of your father, the devil. Is that powerful today when you think about that? I mean, could you imagine anybody ever called you the son of the devil? Anyone? Could you imagine God calling you that to your face? God knows, amen? Because Jesus is greater than the devil because he was a created being, right? He's a lowly, he's an angel. He's a high-ranking angel when he was created. But he's still, listen, the devil is God's devil. Any business that he does that we're going to read about in Revelation, he can't do anything without the permission of God and the plan of God. And you don't have to like that. You just have to actually read what the Word of God says and say God's in charge of all things. Either he is or he's not. And there's theologians today who are saying God spun the planet and he's just letting it go. But let me tell you, this planet does not orbit, nothing spins, no microbes, nothing macro, nothing on the planet or in the universe happens without the knowledge and control of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that was made, that is made, that John 1 says he made it and he's in control of. So don't let some foolish talk get in your ears about God's not in charge. What are we going to do? Because we know bad things happen. Somebody asked me this week, why do bad things happen to good people? I got news for you. Bad things happen to bad people too. Do you know why? Because your grandpa and your grandma sinned against God. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, every child that they had that was birthed after that brought about sinful life. They brought about sin to us here on the planet. We can't get away from it. That's why God had to do something so powerful so powerful, and send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for that sin, that we might be redeemed and have relationship restored back to God the Father. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says what? Shall be saved. That's Romans 10, 13. But if you don't call, listen, don't even think that God's just going to save you by osmosis or by being in church. 
It's like these flowers. I can smell them, but I can't rub it off on me and let that perfume stay eternity, eternally. Right? You're not going to come to church today and think that just this preaching or the Word of God is going to rub off on you and just sticks with you. Because mama's saved, I'm saved. Because grandma's saved, I'm saved. That's not how it works. You, Jesus told Nicodemus, must be born again. You, me, individually, you must be born again. You can't catch it like a cold. You have to receive it through the way that God has set it up. Let's go. Revelation chapter 5. I want to read the first uh, few verses, and I'm going to read through the Scripture. And we'll come back and have a, a quick discussion because... Many people are asking about, what about Daniel, Ezekiel, and all the other prophets? I'm giving you another handout today as you, on your way out. It just is entitled The Tribulation. The other couple-week handouts are still, there's some on the table back here. So those will go in further detail than I have time because I told you, I'm trying to stay true with what I'm saying. We're going to try to get through the book of Revelation in 13 weeks, and it's killing me. It's killing me because this is 13 weeks sermon just by itself. Let's go. Chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. Let's break it down. Who's sitting on the throne? G-O-D. God, God the Father. God the Father's on the throne. And listen, there's a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Here's where we start getting trippy when we start reading about stuff in Revelation. We start panicking because we don't have these seals. We don't understand the seals today. Like, we don't seal things except for... If you own a corporation or a business and you have a corporate seal, does everybody understand that? You, you don't have to use them anymore as much as you used to, but you just have to stamp it sealed by your corporation. You sign it and seal it. Same thing if you're a notary republic, you'd basically sign it and then you would stamp it with that imprint that says basically this was witnessed before me today and you would basically seal it. So we understand these seals, this is something that God has sealed and God has it on the throne. And then he says in verse 2, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Verse 3, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. That's a pretty powerful scroll, isn't it? God's holding it. No one can even look toward it. And here he goes. So John says, So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open. And the word read was added in there. But open the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God set out into all the earth. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. The right hand of God is the power hand of God. It emphasizes the power of God. So we see here a picture of the Father, we see a picture of the Son, and we see a picture of the Holy Spirit. Described in a little bit different way than we're used to because we are the Holy Ghost, as your translation might say. And we, we think of God in this, like, I don't know how you picture God. If you picture him as an old man up in heaven, I don't know how you picture him. He, God the Father has no physical being. God is spirit, and those who worship him, John 4, 24 says, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus Christ was spirit before he came, and God placed him, the Holy Spirit placed him in the womb of Mary, a virgin, and she gave birth to him. Jesus forever changed and took on a body. He's still God. He's 100% God and 100% man. Jesus died like you and I would die if we were crucified on the cross. Jesus died. He had control of his death they didn't take his life. He gave his life. Remember that because he's God. Amen? 
Because it's important that you understand that, but when you read this going, wait a minute, why is there a lamb that looks like it's been slain? A slaughtered, sacrificed lamb is standing amongst the throne of God. Who is he? And this is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he has a hand to take it, right? And, and God the Father, obviously, the right hand of power is an understanding of that from his power source. That nobody can take this powerful scroll. So think of a scroll. How many seals are on it? Your translation might say a book. It's a written piece. How many, how many seals? Seven. So what we're going to do, we're going to actually knock off all seven. Let's look, go through. And you're going to see these horsemen. Well, WrestleMania and everyone under this morning to make some money has used the four horsemen, right, of the apocalypse. Everybody wants to make money off this because they want to spook you to the point of not understanding. So let's look at who they are, and we're going to get an easy understanding. Not easy. I shouldn't, God, I don't complicate that. It is a hard understanding, but he puts it, he reveals it to us with clarity. Let's go to chapter 6 now, verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I told you last week, heaven is noisy. Amen? There's all kind of stuff. If there's multitudes singing, angels are praying, these creatures are falling down, praising God. There's, heaven is a noisy, noisy place. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. Was given to him. Make sure that's important. And by the way, a lot of people want to say this is Jesus on the white horse. Wrong white horse, wrong Christ. This is the anti-Christ, all right? So just know, he, he's got a bow and he's got a crown, but he has no arrows, all right? So he's going to go conquer. Just keep that in your mind because how can it not be Jesus? Who is opening the seal? Jesus is popping the first seal. He's opening the first seal. So this is not Jesus, even though some people believe this is Jesus going out. But Jesus will conquer, but he won't be conquered. Let's continue. I want you to see this. He said, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it, had a bow and a crown, was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Understand what he was doing? He's basically, he's not fighting because there's no weapons in his bow, even though he has the power, he threatens with it. It'd be like today, if we were going to go to war, and it's in the news today, if we were going to try to stop Russia or China, and we're threatening with nuclear weapons. Y'all know this happening in North Korea. There's a threat of nuclear weapons. Everybody's like, please don't use nuclear weapons. I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them. This is the sense that actually this person, this Antichrist, has control of a large arsenal now, and he's basically making a threat. And he brings about, he says, I'm going to fix this. And I'm going to fix it right. And so even today, if you just read anything on world leadership, people are saying, send us a leader. If anyone would just lead us and bring us together globally, we'll follow him. We'll follow her. We just want a leader. Look in the news. If you, want, if you haven't checked the local news, not the stuff that's on TV, but read the news. Actually, it's being reported. World news is people are asking for a leader. Ethiopia, the communism there, they're killing people just so they can have more missiles coming, starving their people to death. You look in China, you see what's happening in Ukraine, all around the world. Look what's happening in America. You can actually rob someone, you can rob a store, and as long as it's under $1,000, you get away with it, right? You just walk. You don't even get arrested. Police are driving by watching break-ins happen, and if it's, not under, if it's over 1000 you might get an arrest. We've got cash bond, a cash bail now. We've got all kind of crazy things, and people don't trust people anymore because why? The Bible says in the last days, a love of many will wax cold, meaning we don't trust each other because of the evil things, the lawlessness that's happening. We don't trust because we want to button up our house and protect our four and no more, and we want you to actually, listen, knock on my door, and i got a ring now. I'm going to identify if I want to see you. i got a caller ID if I want to talk to you. I want to keep you out unless I let you in. Amen? Why are you looking at me? Y'all do the same thing, don't you? you? You want to see who it is. 
We used to look to the little hole in the door. You can't get a door with a hole in it anymore. You got a ring that tells you what's happening in the neighborhood, right? And people are lawlessness is abounding. We can't believe what our leadership is allowing to happen here in our country. Or pick a country, pick a country. Lawlessness is abounding today. The perilous times that Mike just read about in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is happening today. It's happening right now. How many kids are disobedient to parents, not just in a way of being rebellious, but absolutely filing actually lawsuits against parents. They're bowing up against parents. They're telling school counselors things that they don't even want to tell their parents. Uh, they want to change their gender and not tell their parents. There's all kind of crazy mess that's happening. We've got these crazy kids that call themselves furries in school, acting like cats and putting litter boxes in school. It's happening everywhere. I was up in a country, a small country, a county this past week, and I was talking with the lady that was getting a record, and she told me, she said, have y'all got furries where you're from? Furries? Like cats? She goes, no, in your public school, have y'all got furries? I'm like, please, God under heaven, tell me that's not happening up here in the country. She goes, it's happening up here in the country. There is no way to run from this crazy, sinful mess that's happening in the world today. It has to happen. Now, we don't stand up. We, we as a church, what do we have to do? We have to go make disciples of all the nations, and we have to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have to teach them everything that the Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples and us. And listen, we must remember that he's with us always till the end of the earth. Even today, as I mentioned the phones today, parents are paying $80 to $100 a month. You're killing your children. This is reality. Hell is real. And you don't care. You think it's funny. They think it's funny, and they come up and they'll hear an old preacher like me say that. But listen, you can laugh all the way to the gates of hell, and you will burn forever with fire and brimstone. That should have been an amen right there. Listen, don't let your kids go down the hole of hell with those stupid devices. You're paying for your kids to go to a one-way ticket to hell. And some of you are so quiet this morning because you're going the way with them. Because you are so addicted to the phone, your endorphins kick in, you have to touch and see what people think about you. You have to get so many likes. It's amazing how Satan has messed with our minds today. It's amazing how we can't go one minute without looking at a device. We sleep beside it, we shower with it, we go everywhere with it because it controls our lives. It's controlling your life. You say, Pastor, I need it for my business. Some of you might. Most of you don't. Listen, how is, the, how is the world going to be connected at one time? How? Yeah, it's happening right now, is it not? If something happens in the middle of Podunk somewhere, it's on the news and we all see it at one time. We have world news today. How are the two witnesses? We're going to get to those guys. How are they going to be seen by the whole world? Back when preachers used to preach that back in the day, they say, I don't understand it, but that's what the Bible says, right? They had to, by faith, they had to preach that these two witnesses are going to be seen by the whole world. Now what's going to happen when these two witnesses in the future are going to be killed and they're going to be doing their thing? What's going to happen? The whole world's going to be watching. You'll be watching like this. Oh, my word. Unless you've been raptured, I won't be watching it. I'm going to be in glory. Amen? Some of you are going to be watching it going, where's everybody at? I'm telling you, I'm warning you, listen, listen to what God's word is saying. When he opened the second seal, he see this, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the ones who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Verse 5, and when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, that's a day's wage, and three quarts of barley 
uh, for the denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. You'll see, listen, inflation is going to be maxed out in verse 6 right here when this guy gets on the scene, when this government entity takes over. Verse 7, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four living creatures saying, come and see. And so I looked, and so I looked and behold, a pale horse, this would be a greenish pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to him them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Some people say this beast, there are just men who are ravenous, who want to have total control. Verse 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of the, their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. Then the sixth seal. Here we go. We have two left. I looked, and when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it was rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men and the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And the answer is, no one's able to stand. They're going to actually want to be killed. They want suicide and they can't die. How is that going to happen? I don't under, fully understand. Verse 7, after these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or any tree. Some crazies believe this means that the earth is flat. The Bible says God founded it upon the sphere. Look at Isaiah. Back in the Old Testament, before Jesus, 600 years, Isaiah said the earth was round. God created the earth. It is a sphere. Amen? Listen, you can look it up. This is not a flat earth text. If you were saying, hey, we, this is country talk for us. When you go north, south, east, and west, what do you do? You go north, right? Well, she goes north, south, east, and west. What are you going to cover? The four corners of the earth. So if you go all the way east and continue to travel, you'll go all the way around the globe. Is that correct? So when you read that, have a basic understanding. Don't try to make more of it than it actually is. He's saying these angels are standing here. Then I saw another angel, verse 2, ascending from the east, having the seal of a living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. And I want you to read this for me out loud, if you would read with me. How many is it? 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. How many people is it that are sealed? Some say that's a literal translation of a literal understanding of the Bible. Uh, we know there's personification of the red horse, the white horse. We'll talk about those. But this is, a, I believe, a literal sealing of 144,000 Jews. And you say, well, how can you say that? Let's look. Continue to read. That's the good thing about the Bible. It has the answers. Of the tribe of Judah, how many? Of the tribe of Reuben, how many? 
of the tribe of Gad, of the tribe of Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, 12,000. That's 12 different tribes listed. And you'll see there's some tribe changes we'll get to in the fall if you want to study. Dan's not mentioned here. He's mentioned in the Old Testament. There's a reason why. Dan did not obey God back in the day whenever he was separating the land of the Philistines. He didn't want to fight, so he went up and took a more cushy area. He disobeyed God. How did he disobey God? Do you think your disobedience doesn't have ramifications? Dan is not mentioned here as a tribe in the 12 tribes. Even Joseph's oldest son, Manasseh, is listed here. It's amazing to see God... Listen, God blesses obedience to him. Amen? You can be as rebellious as you want to be. Listen, I'm telling you, there's a payday someday for your sin. God's going to come and he's going to get you. This is 12,000 from the 12 tribes. Our Jehovah's Witness friends are completely wrong. It's not them. Amen? This ain't white guys. This ain't black guys. This ain't not Asian people. Well, it should be Asian people. This is Jews. Amen, right there, because I just told you, 12,000 tribes. Listen, you don't have to like it. This is just the truth on the word of God. God's people, He's not through with His people yet. Everybody that tells you that the church has replaced Israel, listen, that's a false theology. I do not believe in replacement theology whatsoever. And if you do, listen, we can agree to disagree, and I'll tell you when we get to heaven. See, I told you so. The church has not replaced Israel. God is not done with Israel. He doesn't make a promise and then drop it like men do. He said he's not like a man that he would make a promise and then back out of it. We lie, don't you? You ever lied? I, I promise, baby, I'll do that as soon as, as soon as daddy gets paid, as soon as mama gets paid, I'll do it. Mamas, listen, it's Mother's Day. Have you ever lied to your children? Don't answer. You have? Don't make a promise because you can't keep it. Promise, baby, tomorrow we'll go do this, and then tomorrow comes and what happens? If you died last night, what's going to happen? Tomorrow coming? Yeah, for heaven or hell, but you're not going to be here, Right? Don't make a promise. We always say, James says, if the Lord wills, we'll do it. And I told you, old people say, if the Lord wills and the creek don't rise, we'll do it. Well, don't depend on the creek, right? Because the creek is, is wishy-washy. That's a dirt road term. Depend on Jesus. It ain't if the creek rises. It's if the Lord wills, we'll do it. We'll do that tomorrow. That's what the book of James says. Let's continue. Let's, I want you to see this. This is getting fast and furious. Here we go. Verse 9, after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number of all the nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. By the way, I got a place right here, just so you know. I got a little real estate right here where this is happening. Peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now, I don't believe I'm going through the same thing they went through, but I'm here. All the angels stood around, verse 11, the throne and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We should say amen right there. Amen. We can practice before we get there. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away 
every tear from their eyes. Then we go to chapter 8. This is number 7, opens up, and then we'll stop at verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And then there's angels that are on standby to bring about the next wave of judgment. God's wrath is about to be poured out. Go to your notes if you would. Let me show you this. No matter where you stand, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, if you're post-tribulation, I don't have a message for you today. I'm sorry. All right? Besides what the Word of God says. But I want you to think about this. You ever seen a, a, a court trial if you've been, or you might have been part of it, or you might work there, or you've seen it on TV, watch Matlock, you watch Perry Mason, you watch something, and the jury comes back, jury, do you have a verdict? And they say, yes, we have a verdict. What's in the envelope? The verdict. And it's, what kind of envelope is it? It's a sealed envelope. And they hand the sealed envelope to the judge. What does the judge do? Opens it up, breaks the seal, and pronounces the verdict. So I want you to understand that picture. When you see the Lord Jesus Christ, they've got this envelope, if you will. They've got this scroll saying, who can, no one can open. There's, where's the judge? And the father's very clear. Obviously, the father's not confused. He knows who's going to open it. But everyone in heaven's asking, there's nobody in heaven. There's nobody on earth. There's nobody even under the earth implying life at the, the death, right? Hell, there's nobody anywhere can open the scroll. And then the elder comes up and says, look, there's the lamb. There's the judge. And he's going to pass judgment. It's going to be passed to him. And he's going to open it as he breaks the seals. There's more than one seal here. As he breaks the seals, all of these events are starting to happen. This is not just a horse. So when you see a, this is personification. You'll see this in our notes. This is not just a horse taking off, riding across the world, causing all this problem. Let's look at your notes and see. Power is contained in the seven sealed scroll. The contents were, and I put were, but are, right? Because it's present, future tense, but it's past tense as well. It's because we're learning about it in the past, but we're looking forward in the future. So it's, uh, you can put the word are, the contents are so powerful, only Jesus could, I said that past, but it, you can put it, shall also be able to, right? Only Jesus shall be able to take it and open each seal. Lawlessness is reigning during this appointed time on the earth in accordance with God's plan and timing. One by one, the Lord Jesus reveals the seven mysteries found within the scroll of God. One by one, it's happening. And I put these up so you would have these notes. God is a God of order. Where does he start? Number one, if you get the handout today, you're going to actually have all the go along with the scripture, scriptures if you want that, okay? If you don't leave without it, we'll make you copies. If you run out there at each door and at the Welcome Center, make sure you get that so you'll have the background scripture that I don't have time to go through today. We're trying to expedite that so you'll do your own feeding, if you will. I want you to see in chapter 5, verse 7, only Jesus is worthy to open the seven-sealed scroll. Amen? He is in control. He's in control here on earth. He's in control in the heaven. There's every place that Jesus is, he is in control. Amen? How do we know that? How do we believe that? Remember when Jesus was here on earth, the resurrected Jesus told his disciples, go meet me on the mountain. And when they went to the mountain, the Bible says some of them believed and some of them doubted. Some of y'all believe the book of Revelation and some of you doubt the word of God. I take the word of God very seriously. I, I believe what God says that he meant it. Amen? He didn't waste his time to give us some comic strip or some, some movies for the future. He didn't give us some Armageddon films. He gave us something because he wants you to know the future and he wants you to warn your friends there's only one way to avoid this terrible wrath of God and that is only by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's only one way out. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
no one comes to the Father except through me or by me. There is only but one way. So he wants us to know this so that we can actually know the future and warn our family, our friends, our coworkers, those we love and care for. We want the, them to know the truth. Because Jesus himself said, when you know the truth, guess what's going to happen, church? Truth shall set you free. Some of y'all think Martin Luther King came up with that. He didn't. He quoted Jesus. The truth comes from the truth, capital T. Amen? So when Jesus is telling us this, you can't be all, you can all be freaked out going, oh, it's so freaky. It freaks me out. I can't understand all this stuff. You can understand it if you would simply pray and read it. The same Holy Spirit that gave it to John to write it is the same Holy Spirit that would give you the understanding to read it and understand. The problem is we don't read it. The problem is we don't meditate on it. The problem is if we don't have somebody to podcast it or read it to us or, or have somebody preach it to us, we won't even try. Remember the blessing when we started this? Blessed are you when you hear it and when you read it. Amen? Let's go quickly. So Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. How much does he have, church? That's why today's sermon is Jesus is greater. There's this powerful white horseman, if you will, coming on, on board the first seal. Who's greater than the white horseman or the white horse? Jesus is greater. I can go through and name the plagues. Who's greater than the plagues? I, you can name anything on the planet, anything in the universe. Who is greater? Jesus is. And listen, if you have that confidence and that blessed assurance, knowing that you're saved and you're sealed by Jesus Christ, listen, he said he sent the Holy Spirit to seal us until the day of redemption. You know what redemption is? You've been bought back, right? You were his, and then you went away by sin because of birth, and he bought you back through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's an amazing God that we serve. That's when we sing that God is good. We believe it. All right, the sealed judgments are followed shortly by the trumpet judgments and then the vile judgments. Each of the judgments are real future events, real future events. Don't let somebody tell you this has already happened in the past. There's a group of people that believe everything happened in the past already, and this is just a historical account. Has anyone in heaven, you ever seen Blue's Clues when he goes, burr, burr, right? There's a clue, there's a clue. I'm not in heaven. Are times getting better? Do you think it's getting better or worse? It's getting worse, and it's going to progress and get worse and worse in the future. Listen, evil men do evil things, and they're going to get in power. Uh, they're going to get in control. Look at America. Look at inflation. It's going to get worse. Food shortages is going to get worse. Look at COVID-19. Listen, pandemics and plagues, you think it's bad. COVID killed about 3.5 million people. Do you all know HIV, AIDS killed over 40 million people? 40 million people, that number you can't even register because we don't think about it. How about the flu? Polio, start picking, start picking a disease. There's been some past diseases that were nasty. Would you agree? But I got to tell you, there's some future ones, especially if we know that mankind, like in the Wuhan virus, right, in the lab, if it's made there, if man can control it, guess what man's going to do? He can't help himself because his nature is evil. What's he going to do with the virus? If he can control it, make it powerful. He's going to be hanging out with the government officials of these seals. He's going to release it on people, actually, so that it makes, it's going to kill a large portion of people. The Word of God is just like the news today. God understood. He saw what was happening in the future. And listen, it's part of, actually, the plan of showing mankind is evil to the core. You are evil to the core without the grace of the living God inside of you. That's you and me. All right, let's continue. Let's go fast. Seal number one, the white horse. The rider personifies a victorious government on earth. I put, side note, Antichrist, which will make peace, although it will be fake and will not last. 
for three and a half years, it's going to look good. Listen, the last world religion is not going to be, I don't have time for this this morning, it's not going to be Islam. Islam's going to rear its ugly head the, the, out of the beast of the east. It's going to rear its ugly head. It's going to have some dominating effects on the world. And all of a sudden, the Antichrist is going to come in and he's going to put it down. Because, listen, it, they can't, you've got to get the temple ready. The temp, and the, and the, the um, Muslims have control, temporary custodian control over the Temple Mount, where we believe, I believe the temple is going to be rebuilt. You can't rebuild the temple if you can't get on the property. Amen? So I believe Islam is going to be put down. If you want to study that, Islam will not be the, the, the religion of the beast, of the Antichrist. But there's going to be that religion, and Israel is going to go, wow. Thank you so much. You mean we can start worshiping our God again? They're going to rebuild the temple. They're going to be so satisfied. Some are going to start back the sacrificial system. It's going to go right back to like the Old Testament times. And they're going to be like, this is awesome. This guy really gets us. He must be the Messiah. And at three and a half years, the Bible says very clearly, right in the dead middle of three and a half years, the math is on your sheet. You can have a handout for that. He's going to sit on the throne and obviously what Daniel called the abomination of desolation. He's going to actually call himself, God, worship me. The Jews will turn, and then all of hell is going to break loose for them here on earth. It's a scary proposition for them because they're going to be fooled for three and a half years. It has to be set up so that the whole world sees this happening. People are going to say, this guy is awesome. This guy is incredible. Where were you all my life? I'm glad you're here. You're fixing things, and it's a fake piece. So the white horse, that representative there, it's fake. This is not Jesus again because Jesus is currently opening the seals. Seal 2, the fiery red horse, the rider personifies a government stirring the heart of man to unfettered war. Violence and murder reign. Peace will not be found. This is like the Ukraine today. Bombing uh, civilians, killing children, hospitals. Look at the Palestinians. Bombing, just, just shooting missiles off as many as they can launch. Don't care where they land. Don't care about the people. Listen, this is going to be given over to their hearts. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse, and it's going to get worse, church. You don't have to like it. It's just truth in the Word of God. That's why we should be close with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why so many people say, listen, if it gets worse, it seems like it's the wrath of God coming. That's why they believe in the pre-tribulational time that God's going to be taking the church up and out. The mid-tribulation said, no, we're going to go through that, but we won't face his wrath. That's coming up in chapter 8. Seal number 3, the black horse, the rider personifies a government which is dishonest. Can y'all believe that, a dishonest government? I can't believe it. And oversees a worldwide famine. They're going to kill their people just because. Know any governments that do that today? Yeah, it happens in America as well. It happens in America. And listen, what do people do? They usually get in charge. They get in charge of charities or a lot of food. They usually get embezzled money, and then they do the same thing that the government does when they're NGOs. You'll see it's, it's crazy how the world, this is so this is truthful today, it almost seems like. Seal number four, verses seven and eight, the pale green horse. This is death in Hades, a personification of the fallout of the first three seals. After you have war, Every time after you have war, there's food shortages. Look at Ukraine. They're talking about the wheat fields being just destroyed right now. There's no food. And they fed a large part of Europe. What's going to happen when their large part of Europe does not have that grain this coming winter from Ukraine? What's going to happen, church? They're going to get into a food shortage, and people are going to do what? What will you do if you're hungry? You will steal and you will kill if you're hungry. And if, especially if your babies are hungry, you'll do what you've got to do. And sin will abound. And what happens when you don't eat right, when you, not just because you're snacking, I'm talking about when you don't have food. 
If you've ever been to a third world country, been to Kenya and just watched little kids die under broom trees, it makes you sick to your stomach saying, man, all the food that we throw away. People in America feed their dogs better than actually people in Kenya are getting fed. Their stomachs bloat and they die from malnourished, being malnourished. It's amazing to see. It'll make you sick. It's happening today. But it's going to happen on a greater scale authorized by this rider, which is here personified on the black horse. He's going to oversee it. Seal number four. Uh, the, uh, sorry, the pale green horse. War, disease, famine, all those things are going to be, it's bringing about death, death and death. Up to one-fourth of the population. What is one-fourth of eight billion people? Is that a lot of people, isn't it? Today's not math class. I want you to see, listen, we continue. It's a lot of people that are dying. And it doesn't seem real to us because we'll go home today. We're wanting to hurry up so we can go eat at the restaurant right now. Or go eat with mom and uh, grandma. We're, we're, we're thinking about lunch and and God's trying to say, listen, it's about to end, and it's going to be so expensive. Now, there'll be wealthy people who still will have the ability to have nice things. In every war, there's always been those who ate steak when everybody else had, was eating sawdust, all right? In every life, time of life, there's always been those, that's why he says, don't touch the oil, don't touch, listen, don't touch the wine, because the ones with the to-do, uh, of able to-do, are still eating it. They're still enjoying it. The government officials are rolling fat while everybody else is starving to death. Does that sound like today? Seal 5, here we go, we're getting a little bit of a break. In heaven, believers who have been murdered are martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ cry out for him for justice. And I put this, evil men hate Jesus. That's true on earth, that's true in the past, that's true in the present, that's true in the future. And these martyrs say, well, what, what is grace under all this? This is going back to a time, we're going back after the age of the church, when we're raptured out, they're going to go back to a time of, it's going to look just like the Old Testament. You're going to go back to a sacrificial system. It's going to back through a place. I was going to have Mike read this morning, Zechariah chapter 8, I think it is. Uh, you have to look at the scripture uh, where people said, 10 Gentiles will come and say, are you Jewish? Do you love the Messiah? Will you tell us how to follow him? There'll be people asking how to actually follow Jesus. Let's continue. Seal five in heaven, we got that. Seal six, chaos erupts on earth. It's time for God's wrath. This is awful. No one can stand against it. It's coming. And then finally, God preserves and marks the seals, 144,000 Jews for his glory. God revealed to John the vast multitudes of tribulation saints, uh, saints standing before the throne of God. Every nation, tribe, people group, and languages were there. And I put on here, worship happens. Isn't that amazing to think about? We need to be practicing here on earth because, not just practice, we need to be involved in it. Because we're going to be singing and praising the Lord forever and ever. And finally, the seventh seal, all the jubilant celebration in heaven. As loud as I told you, it was lightning, there's thunder, there's celebration, there's praising God. And the Bible says in chapter 8, uh, verse 1, it just stops for a period of seven, I mean for 30 minutes. Total silence in heaven. God is reflecting, and I think the people are reflecting what's about to happen. God's wrath is about to be poured out on earth. Satanic activity is going to happen like no other time before. We won't be there. This is when the three and a half year period is stopped. So if you're mid-tribulationist now, you can go to heaven, okay? Because they believe the rapture is happening then. Those that are pre-tribulationists, they believe they're already up there in heaven and watching, not watching it happen, but it's happening. But it's happening for sure. Everyone would just about agree that unless they're really twisting scripture, that this is the time that God's about to drop his wrath on planet earth. This is a time no one wants to live. This is a terrible time, but people, many, 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 billions if not billions will be here. All is quiet in heaven. Seven trumpet judgments are ready to be sounded. God's wrath is about to be unleashed on earth. And I put you this last note. We must not fear, but we must be prepared. 
We must prepare and we must share. If you're not sharing Jesus Christ, listen, you're running your neighbors, you're running your friends, anyone who wants to listen, won't, listen, anyone that you can, no people reject you today, but anyone that wants to listen, if you're not sharing, you're running them straight for the tribulation and into the great tribulation. Ask God, God, is there anybody that you want me to speak to or speak with and share this good news of the saving of Jesus Christ? Because out of all this junk that we read, this, this torment, this pestilence, the disease that's coming, the good news is Jesus is greater. Amen? God's allowing man to show himself. He's allowing satanic activity to do all that Satan can do with his minions. And then God's going to bring, he's going to drop the bomb, if you will, and just settle it. There's a lot more to this than we can get into today. There's, a, there's so much more. But here's what I want you to understand today. Jesus is greater. Your sin, though it might be heavy, though it might be deep and thick, Jesus is greater than your sin. And though your memories or your mistakes in the past, listen, Jesus is greater. And he's asking you, listen, will you just submit and obey me because I sent my son Jesus Christ. Jesus himself spoke for God when he said, For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what, church? Everlasting life. But what you do, he won't force it on you. God's the greatest gentleman. He'll never force himself on you. He'll, he'll put it in your heart. He'll draw you to himself. And then you have to make a decision. Will you follow Christ? So today, that's our question. Listen, no matter what's coming in the future, no matter if we have it all planned out, we know we're pre-tribulations or we're mid-tribulations or we're something else in the future. We got to know that we know that we know that, listen, no matter what time it is, I'm ready for Jesus to come. I'm living today as if he's coming today. That's how we should be living. So my challenge to you today is, listen, if you don't know that you know that you know that you know that you've accepted Jesus Christ, not if you was baptized, if you made a decision when you was a kid, if you know in your heart that God, listen, your heart's condemning you, is there something saying, listen, you need to respond and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Know that you know. Settle it. I beg you, I plead with you today as a friend, not as a pastor, but just as a friend. Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Then you can know for sure. I and mean, you walk around, you can walk with confidence saying, listen, no matter if it's today that he comes, no matter if, it's, if we do go through part of the tribulation, I'm right with God. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Isn't that good news? All right, let me pray for you today. Listen, we have an invitation after every service, and we invite you to come. We can invite you to come pray and ask God or pray right where you are. Come and talk with one of us, me and Mike. Adrian will be here. We'll pray with you. We'll show you how to receive Christ. It's called leading someone to Christ, and that's what we do. Dear God, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and life? I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. When you tell God that with faith, the Bible says you're saved. No fireworks here, but the Bible says in the presence of God there's a celebration, and your name is in the middle of the celebration. Isn't that good news today? Don't we serve a great God? Say it with me. Jesus is greater. And you can fill in the blanks after that. He's greater than your sin. He's greater than your troubles. He's greater than you fill in the blank. He's greater because he's God. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much today. Lord, I'm thankful that you were greater than my sins. And Lord, you confronted me with that. 30 years ago. Father, I'm thankful today as we love on our mothers, our dads, our family, friends. Lord, that love that we project and give and receive, Lord, Jesus is greater. Father, no matter where we find ourselves today, in trouble, pending judgment, past mistakes and sins, Jesus is greater. 
as we read, Lord, this powerful scroll that you, Jesus, open, and we see these powerful events happening in the future, can almost scare us if we are not careful to know that Jesus is greater. Father, help us today, day by day, as we celebrate mothers, if we have that opportunity, to know that Jesus is greater. You've given us a way, the truth and the way. Listen, and the life, Father. We have a way to come to you and stand around that throne and sing glory and honor and praise to the one who's worthy because Jesus is greater. Father, thank you for your love and care for us. We praise your name. And Lord, it's for your sake we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be here today. We're going to sing together. If you want to come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you need to come and pray today. Listen, we invite you to come. You can pray right where you are, but listen, whatever God puts on your heart, make that decision today. Let's stand together as we sing.